All right, everybody, welcome back to the Agents of Comic Book Podcast. I am Paul. And I'm Eric. That's right, and we're here starting a new series. Uh, we just got done doing a two-parter on the X-Men, so if, uh, if you like X-Men, go back and watch that. Um, we just got done doing uh, Days of Futures Past and, uh, what was the other one? Dark Phoenix. I'm already forgetting. <laughs> I know. So, so go back and watch that if you're into the X-Men. Otherwise, this week we're going to be starting a Swamp Thing series. We're going to be going into the original Alan Moore book, uh, the first arc, at least today, with the, the whole Woodju story. And then we're going to be... We were up in debate what we were going to compare it to, because if it's your first time joining us, usually we'll read a comic book, we'll talk about the whole book, that story, the, like those few issues, and then compare it to one uh, movie or TV show based on the same character or mm-hmm. team or what have you. Um, so this week, since we were going to do that Swamp Thing, Volume 1 by, uh, by Alan Moore, we weren't sure what adaptation we were going to do, because there's actually more than I thought. Yeah, a lot when more. When it comes to Swamp Thing, yeah. Because yeah. I thought, you know, obvi- the first thing that came to my mind was that recent TV show they did on yeah. uh, DC Universe yep. um, that was canceled prematurely, and so I've never even finished watching it because I just got so upset. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think I'm like four episodes into it, and I just haven't had the drive to finish it. Yeah, because it's just like, I- I'm going to invest all this and then leave it on a cliffhanger because I-, I heard what the season finale is. Really? For the for that, it's like, uh, I don't want to spoil it because we might cover it on the, on the yeah. show. But um, one- once we're done with this, we have a, a whole Swamp Thing TV show show even besides that one to cover too yeah true that um because what because when i was looking into it there's more adaptations than i thought we have the one we're doing today which is the 1982 movie by wes craven yep uh and then there was actually a sequel to that movie called the return of swamp thing 87 yep we're gonna be doing that one next week okay and then after that they actually had a follow-up tv show to swamp thing and what year was that that was 89 oh really yeah So yeah, it lasted like three seasons. Yeah, so that one actually it had seventy two episodes. Damn. So that one went pretty long. I was gonna say. And uh, so so this and that's the same guy playing Swamp Thing. That's the same universe. Like that's the first like uh, that was a really long standing uh, run by DC. Like as far as like a movie franchise goes. I was gonna say that's a pretty like deep canon for the Swamp Thing in that. Yep. Because uh, you so- said like that was the. Like basically the earliest DC movie besides Superman. Yeah, I was looking into it because I was looking to see what DC adaptations we haven't covered in general. Mm-hmm. And uh, this movie we're doing today, Swamp Thing, is one of the first like DC adaptations as far as like you know mainstream movies they've ever done. Yeah, it's because Swamp Thing was around the same time. This this movie we're covering today is 1982. Yep. Um, the the movie we're covering today is actually uh, took place before the book we're about to cover, which you wouldn't think because it's like a you know an old Alan Moore book. But I was gonna say this is an old movie, so I feel like it would have helped. Yeah, no, it, yeah, I'm sure uh, Wes Craven going back doing the movies like thanks for writing all this shit I could have used right like this shit would have been amazing right um, but yeah because when basically when Wes Craven took it over it was, Swamp Thing was still kind of just like that Bigfoot kind of horror character yeah it wasn't like, as very developed. pulpy yeah. yeah. Um, but we're going to get more into that uh, at the end. Once, uh, Usually, if it's your first time joining us, we'll start out covering the comic book, and then so that way we can, when we get to the movie, we can compare how they adapted it. Because mm-hmm. um, usually it's the, the movie that's adapting the comic book. We've had it occasionally where it's the other way around. Oh, yeah. Like, we'll cover a TV show that in a movie... Uh, like Power Rangers, for example, because mm-hmm. um, we we did a three part series on Power Rangers that a listener requested. That had a weird connection this week. Oh yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was uh, Power Rangers Day the other day. Is that oh what no, I'm about? saying from the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. There was some Power Rangers stuff in this movie. Believe it or not, if you haven't seen the movie yourself, you'd be surprised hearing that sentence. Oh yeah, definitely. If, if you're a Power Rangers fan, listen, there might be a cameo you like in the Swamp Thing <laughs> nice movie. Little, nice little Easter egg. <laughs> I don't know if it was intended to be, but... I don't think so. I think it is. It was just bad design. But you know what? Even if it wasn't intentional, it was. Oh, I, I still appreciate it. People listening to this now are like, what the fuck are they <laughs> what talking about? What are they about? talking about? <laughs> You'll have to get to the end of the episode. Oh, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so if you want to, uh, that Power Rangers one was requested to us on Patreon. We do allow you to pick episodes yourself over at our Patreon, over at patreon.com slash agents of comic book. And you can also follow us on Twitter over at agents of podcast. If you're looking to, uh, to engage with us about what we're reading, we, we always follow you back. So if you have questions or if you've, if you're reading along with us and you want to share your thoughts, uh, we're always open to that. You know, a lot of times we can, we can, if you have stuff to add to this conversation, Mm -hmm. a lot of times I'll just bring it up the next week and be like, oh yeah, we're idiots. We missed this thing or like they brought up this good point oh yeah um, no we'll never be always correct yeah this isn't the <laughs> podcast to listen to to get an encyclopedic knowledge of comic books oh hell no uh, <laughs> we're, we're not the experts we're, we're going through this with you yeah exactly we'll, we'll do our best but yeah we are not certified experts certainly not uh, but with Swamp Thing, I might want to make a, uh, with one exception to that rule, because I talked about this last week, but uh, since we're starting this series now, we'll get into it here. Swamp Thing is my character. I was going to say that it's definitely one I've always been like gravitated towards also, but haven't read a lot of the stuff, but it's something that I need to like really do a deep dive on. Yeah, because despite what I just said, Swamp Thing, I might be an expert in. Listen, I might be the certified say, PhD. It's, it's definitely one that you're most versed in, for sure. Because I talked about it last week. I've almost read every appearance of the character, at least every uh, Swamp Thing book. I haven't. I don't know if I have to go back and like check out all the, the guest appearances, appearances after yeah. that. Yeah, like Swamp Thing appears in uh, Wonder Woman. You yeah, know, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but no. But I mean, just the fact that you've read almost the exclusive Swamp right. Thing things is pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm getting close, and Swamp Thing probably doesn't have that many guest appearances. It's not like Batman. I mean, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't imagine. Um, so I, I think I think I'm pretty close. I just got to get there before the DC Universe app crumbles. I was going to say, is, go is that in Jeopardy? Uh, from what they say, no. But what are they, what they, they going to tell us? Exactly. Abandon right. ship. <laughs> Everything's fucked. Sell your subscription. <laughs> We're all going to die. Yeah, they're not going to say that. So no. I guess we'll see. Um, it doesn't hurt to read what you can while you can. I'll yeah, say that. that's very true. Um, so there's a lot of stuff on that DC app that you can't find like anywhere else. That was the only way I was able to read Gail Simone's Birds of Prey. Yeah, that's Because that's not in print anymore. Like We wouldn't have been able to cover it if it weren't for this app. And that stuff's like not on Comixology? Uh, no, because if it's not in print, it's not on Comixology. Unless Damn. you buy it in single issues, and even then they don't have everything wow. a lot of times. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, so yeah, so it, without that DC Universe, listen, I'll go off on a tangent here for a second. Without the DC Universe app, and with the, and without the Marvel Universe app, or the Marvel Unlimited app, mm-hmm. there's no way we'd be able to do this podcast. Oh God, no. Yeah, because that if you're especially if you're just starting to read comics, like those two apps, I would say are like essential. Oh yeah, definitely. Because like when I started reading comics, and when a lot of people do, uh, they'll just go online to like Amazon or something and just start buying books, mm-hmm. and like that shit adds up. And, oh yeah, like, you'll buy stuff that is just trash. Yeah, you know, because like oh, well, this sucked. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Or, or like, you'll, like you'll realize later on, like, why was I buying all that bullshit? None of that was good. Mm-hmm. It's like if you read digitally, there's you don't have to worry about that. You have everything. And if you read something bad, you'll just be like, oh, I'll just stop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't pay for this at all yeah. except for the subscription. Exactly. And and you can, in Marvel Unlimited, you can read books as they come out. It's pretty legit. You're six months behind, but who cares? Yeah, and then if you actually do want to buy something like digitally that you will own like on comiXology it's a lot cheaper than physical right or even if you want to buy it physical after you've read it digital, oh yeah then you know what you're buying yep too. yeah it's like i do that all it's like the time. a blockbuster yep so like if there's something like ooh, i re- really enjoyed that i gotta have a copy for my shelf because mm-hmm. i'm like the king of buying things uh for my bookshelf and then choosing to read them digitally <laughs> <laughs> like oh i just bought that uh beautiful swamp thing omnibus Ooh, let me crack it open and read it oh but i could just get my tablet and read the same issue i was gonna say you don't want to weather it yeah no it's a good little display. Yeah, you're gonna need a new shelf soon, though. Yes, and when the apocalypse hit, I'll, hits, I'll be the king of books. He'll <laughs> be the tome master. Yes. Oh, you want to read Swamp Thing? You'll have to pay the price. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, without further ado, we're gonna be getting into it. Uh, like I said, we're gonna start at not quite the beginning, but we're gonna start where a lot of people recommend starting. Where I would recommend starting, which is where uh, 
uh, Alan Moore took over the book. He took over at issue 19. Uh, so we're going to read issues 19 through 25, I believe, or 24, 24. maybe. It's the end of the Floronic Man arc. Yeah, 24. Um, but uh, Alan Moore took over at issue 19, and um, like, like we kind of talked about a little bit at the, to- at the top of the podcast here, Swamp Thing kind of started out as a character. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm being negative about the characters, because... It was always what it was meant to be. It was a pulpy, you know, monster book. Yeah. Because the these horror books were very much meant to be like, you know, like uh, Nightmare, not necessarily Nightmare on Elm Street, but like those old school. You're monster just making movies. the Wes Craven connection. Um. Well, yeah, it kind of <laughs> Wes Craven. Like uh, even before Wes Craven, though, like uh, Karloff, uh, Frankenstein, like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It was taking those kind of influences, like old school horror monster movies. Mm. Creature um, from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Like, all there's that, a huge parallel it, with that. It, yeah, exactly. So that's kind of what Swamp Thing was meant to be in the beginning, which is kind of that, like, he did have, like, a human side. He was the human who was, he was, like, a Bigfoot mixed with uh, Frankenstein, essentially, as yeah. what I would call him. Mm-hmm. So, fun to read about, but very one-dimensional. Yep. Um, so when yeah, Alan not Moore, a lot of growth to be had. Right. He's not really a protagonist in those kind of stories. You have to have the protagonist be, like, the per- the, the character experiencing it, like, experiencing the horror. Yep. Because um, when Alan Moore took over the book here, uh, he spends, we're going to just briefly gloss over issue 19 because the first issue Alan Moore has is just him basically wrapping up what the last writer did yep um I didn't read what came before this the 18 issues that came before this but from the covers it looks like Anton Arcane became like a Spider-Man <laughs> that's yeah the cover of this one uh, specifically. with great power I was gonna say yeah it's pretty brutal yeah he's just uh, like a spider zombie basically and Swamp Thing takes him out and he thinks uh Arcane is dead but Alan Moore keeps hinting that he's not mm-hmm. um and then th- that's basically where they're, we're left it um, the characters who we have here are all characters he took over. Like, I don't think he invented any of these that we see initially, like Abby and Swamp Thing, and I think even Sunderland were already here. Okay. And Arcane was already here, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's taking these characters and using them for his own purpose, and Sunderland especially he uses very, very well here in, in only two issues. Yeah, no, um, it's a great character for Sunderland that. is a great Swamp Thing uh, villain. Because, mm-hmm. like, I don't think Swamp Thing to this point had had a... Uh, um, a character who leans super far into into like that side, like yep. Because um, Alan Moore, when he took over this book, uh, added a lot of things to the character that I, I think were super influential, like um, you know, making it more horror centric, but not only that, making it more uh, like political and uh, e- uh, kind of like an eco message. Where because he was like a like a plant warrior, you know, kind yep. of like fighting back against like you know like uh, humans corrupting the planet and shit like that too. Yeah. So those kind of themes kind of were able to creep up because of what the changes he made to this book as well. Yeah, and then the whole you know line between Swamp Thing wanting to keep like things in balance, and then um, forget the Florin, the, what's his name, Floronic Man, the Floronic Man, like wanting to take it like to the extreme where the plants overtake everything. Yep. So the uh, that issue nineteen wraps up all those plots with Arcane, and it ends with uh, Abby and her husband Matt Cable. Uh, they were like uh, co-workers of Alec Holland. Yeah, I had um, some. I feel like because I, I, I read this original anatomy lesson way like a year or so ago, so I remember most of it. And I can't remember if I asked you back then, but it, is there a lot about Matt Cable? Is that a pretty established guy? Uh, at this point, he's just like Abby's husband. Because uh, can we talk about what what's with the chick, the dancing blue girl in his hand? It's foreshadowing. Okay. It's because uh, you t- uh, we'll we'll get to it as we go on, but I mean we're not going to talk about Matt too much, so we can talk about. Yeah, it now. he's not very big in this anyway. No, not not yet. Um, because Matt uh, throughout this arc keeps getting hints. Uh, like uh, they keep getting visions of him like talking to like a zombie man, and that's Anton Arcane. Okay. So Arcane is like speaking to Matt and kind of like corrupting him, like speaking to him in visions and shit like that. Gotcha. So that's why Matt seems very off in this arc. Okay. Because he's being corrupted by uh, Abby's uncle. <laughs> and is. 
I mean, he's obviously aware something's happening, but he, does, he doesn't know it's arcane or like no, that he's being yeah. like specifically corrupted. Yeah, exactly. It's it's magical, so he's just kind of like something was weird. That's but, wacky. Yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> feel like shit for no reason. <laughs> His dancing blue girl is kind of funny. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So so Abby is looking for Alec while her husband is like losing his mind and like neither of neither of them like they're not a great couple yeah it's not a great mix yeah no it's like they kind of like are upset with each other a lot of the times they just don't go well together yeah um, no. and and plus uh abby was like secretly in love with alec the whole time is what we'll find out as we go on to yeah and it's it, she makes it pretty obvious too but matt doesn't really want to yeah, quite like a, acknowledge it yeah, it's like a classic like uh marriage that they're just going through the motions with yeah um but uh, they're going through looking for alec because they, they know that alec is swamp thing but the way they think of it is Alec fell into the swamp and became like a swamp monster. Yeah. So he's still their friend. You know, they're going looking for him because they don't know what happened to him after the explosion and whatnot. Yeah, they never really say it, but I feel like a part of them thinks that there's a microscopic chance that he could be turned back. And, and Alec thinks that too at this point in the comic. At I know this that point, sure. yes. Yeah, because yeah. at that at this point, that, that that's pretty much, at this point in the book, that is the premise. Okay. That's pretty much what it's been up to this point is he was a man turned into a plant. Yeah. Um, and then Alan Moore, as we'll go into in the next issue uh, that we're going to talk about, um, is when he flips. Yeah, that's obviously head. what anatomy, the, the anatomy lesson yeah, yeah. revolves around. Yeah, exactly. So where we leave issue 19 is Sunderland sends the troops in to get Swamp Thing mm-hmm. and just shoots him dead. Just like sends in enough troops and they just fire him with enough bullets and he just bleeds out and dies. Yeah, it's actually a really cool sequence with him trying to like escape. Mm-hmm. With like how he's talking about like the shadows and that like there's they're not gonna leave any shadow left for like the green like they're gonna take everything and not even have the shadows left to hide in. Yep, it's kind of like the uh, kind of like it reminds me of like the Bureau of Normalcy in uh, yep. Doom Patrol. Like just like like no, nah, get rid of all the weird shit. We don't understand it, and like and we're gonna control what we can and get power from it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they shoot Swamp Thing dead. Like he's literally just bleeding out like a man, and just then they take his body and take it back to their lab. Yep, and uh, they're they're. What their plan is is just to experiment on it and use it for corporate gain, you know, like use it for to sell to farmers and shit, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we get issue 20. And issue 20 is probably one of the most important issues to Swamp Thing, I would argue, like out of anything that I've read. Because um, this is where we get basically the reintroduction to Alec Holland and to Swamp Thing and to how this whole universe is going to work moving forward. Uh, Alan Moore pretty much lays all the ground rules in these next two issues, mainly this one. Because mm-hmm. um, Anatomy Lesson is a, a very, very good standalone issue. Um, this is issue 21, I think I misspoke. Yeah, it's 21. Um, so... This is a, a very, very good standalone issue, too. Like, you don't even have to read this necessarily with the other stuff for it to be a complete story. Yeah, you could know nothing about Swamp Thing and just jump into this. Yeah, just be like, yo, Swamp Thing got captured. Done. I'm in. Yeah. Yep, that's all you need to know. Totally. Um, and Because the issue opens up with an, uh, a character who um, is an old school character, but this is where he really gets a name for himself, uh, With is Jason Woodrow, the Floronic Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I haven't read any of his appearances before this, but it seems like from what I'm gathering here, he was just like a B-list uh, player plant-based villain um that that's being thrown into the story for that reason yeah yeah because later on the justice league almost kind of just takes a dunk on him yeah the justice league <laughs> season is like a just like someone they don't even need to be bothered with yeah you know? like someone was saying something about the floronic man but like what the hell is he gonna do right so he's being reused in this story and we get his perspective from the beginning and the whole the whole this whole issue is told from his perspective which is kind of cool actually this whole next couple issues are yeah it's really um, well done because the reason why Sunderland is bringing him in is because he's an expert botanist uh, mm-hmm. that's how he got into the predicament where he is he's basically like 
he's he's kind of like lizard where he's used uh, the the plant formula to regrow parts of his body. So now he's like kind of part plant, but still pretty human. Yeah, he's not like Swamp Thing, but he's got superficially he kind of is. Yeah, his mechanics are weird because he has the whole spray deal. Yeah, he's got like a spray on disguise. He basically just sprays on skin. Yeah, think of like Red Skull when he has like the outfit and then he rips it off and he's yep. like a monster underneath. That's what Floronic Man is, except he sprays it on. Yep. And then he, he's just like if you touched him, he'd just be gooey. Yeah, there's a really <laughs> gross part near the end when he tries to use it and doesn't quite work. Yeah, because the whole thing is kind of imperfect. He's just kind of using it to hide. Yeah, it would be terrifying. Oh, before we get too far in this, I do want to call out the creative team as well because it would be a crime not to because the art on this book in general carries it a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. Um, like This this Swamp Thing in general has always had like a rotating team of fantastic artists. It's almost like mandatory for a Swamp Thing. I was going to say, I, I feel like that's vital. Yeah, a Swamp Thing book without like, you know, kind of like an artist who can really just have their own like statement and their own vision on it is just like essential to this. Mm-hmm. Like especially having, you know, like just like knowing when to make the pages different and like not as uh, standard, you know, not as blocky. Yeah, totally. Um, the, knowing how to get a little like uh, crazy with it, do it, have a little more of an artistic statement with it. Yeah, and I feel like the design like it is I feel like it'd be very easy to make it look boring. Yeah. So I, I feel like it takes a lot of like good artists to make it like almost pop, I guess. Yeah, and a lot of the art, especially with Swamp Thing and Through the Green, is very like uh, like psychedelic looking. It's very it's very interesting, kind of just like wavy, kind of like it's kind of meant to display him like traveling through the green, you know, like kind of like a mental vision, almost like a like a like a trip through uh, through like a meta universe, kind of. Yeah, it's basically. I guess, like, a perception of how you'd see, like, if it was just pure consciousness in a way. Yeah, just, like, floating through heaven, floating yep. through the sky, yeah. So there's lots of cool art there as well. And even the horror panels as well, because, like, this first page we get from uh, Woodrow's perspective is just, like, the uh, him inside, like, uh, Sunderland's, uh, or I guess it's his apartment, like, looking at the rain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, like, him inside, and it's, like, uh, the coloring and just the way it's drawn with, like, the rain going down kind of looks like there's blood, like, going all over him. It looks really, really good. Um, so the creative team we have here is, obviously, we mentioned, written by Alan Moore. Um, the artists on this are Stephen Bissett and John uh, Totalbin. Uh, who are on this run for a very long time. Um, Bissette is, pro- is probably the most renowned Swamp Thing artist that there has ever been on here. Gotcha. Um, but like I said, it's it's always been great. Uh, and then we have uh, Colors by uh, Tajana Wood and uh, John Costanza on the letters. Um, so this is, like I, like I mentioned, this anatomy lesson issue, a large part of it, um, I mean, the way, like we talked about, the way it's pitched is kind of just like this horror story. You know, it's uh, Woodrow, this kind of man just with like a, a very like uh, violent uh, streak in it, like a very uh, suppressed, like violent, like bloody kind of like uh, personality buried within him. Oh, yeah. Kind of giving, so he's a great narrator to kind of give like this offsetting kind of like horror narrative for this story. Yeah, not a huge fan of humans. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's got, he doesn't mind uh, getting a little bloody. Oh, yeah. Um, and so that's kind of like one of the themes of his character is he's very like uh, like suppressedly violent. Yeah, he's just um, cold. Like people see him as just like this like skinny little science dweeb. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he's got like some really dark thoughts that he's suppressing. But he is like a like a scientific genius in this field. Like when he's going through looking at uh, Swamp Thing's body, like a lot of the questions he asks are very interesting because this, mm-hmm. like I said, this is Alan Moore setting up the rules for how this character is going to work moving forward. Yeah. Because he's going through looking at Swamp Thing's body and he's like, none of this really makes sense from a scientific perspective. Like I'm looking, I took out his heart 
and it looks like a heart, but like th- there's no way this could function. It's a plant. Yeah, there's no valves. There's no capillaries. Yeah, it's just a heart replica. Yep. This whole body is just like a replica of a human. He's got fake kidneys, fake stomach, a fake brain that it doesn't do anything. It couldn't. So he's going through this, wondering like, how could this be? You know, if this is a, if this is a man who turned into a plant, what's up with all these organs that don't work? None of that makes any sense. Like, where's the man in here? Yeah, like these aren't his organs turned into a plant. Like this is something the plant made itself. Right. And so that's when he gets the eureka moment. He uh, is going flipping through this book and he finds something called planarian worms, mm-hmm. um, which he describes to Sunderland as this. Uh, experiment that took place there were these worms that um were trained to go through a maze like solve this maze and, and get to the end yeah they trained one of them right and then the, the scientist took that worm who solved the maze cut him up into little pieces and then fed him to other worms yep uh which jesus christ <laughs> that, yeah that's little i mean they're worms but yeah it's pretty brutal yeah. <laughs> um and then so they the what he said is that when these worms ate the basically the body of this worm that had solved the puzzle, they learned how to solve the puzzle themselves, and they all went through the maze flawlessly using that knowledge. Which is insane. Yeah, and so uh, Woodrow is using this theory going, well, if that's possible, if these worms do it, then it proves that, you know, eating... Uh, you know, that that knowledge can be passed on through foodstuffs is what he says. Yep. Um, and then he kind of compares it to like, oh, it explains why some cultures like revere eating the brain of your elders, you know, yeah, things totally. like that. Like using it like ritualistically. Yeah, exactly. Because he, he, knowledge in some way does get passed on is what he's saying. And that's actually going to be a big theme for Swamp Thing in general. Oh, yeah. That, uh, eating things as a way to pass on knowledge is going to be a big theme. Yeah. And not, not just like literally, but like spiritually as well, mm-hmm. like metaphysically. Yep. Um, and one thing I wanted to call out too, because I did some research on this, um, because I was interested on the reread here on these planarian worms, because mm-hmm. that that sounded like plausible, like it sounded like he was pulling that from somewhere. Yeah. And I looked it up, and it was it was a real study. Okay. Um, th- that these uh, this I think it was done in the fifties. Okay. With these worms in the maze. But it was only ever done once, this study, and it's not really widely accepted by by a lot of scientists because the way that they ran the study was there were some big flaws in it. Okay. And it hasn't really been replicated since. Gotcha. Um, because the main flaw that they found was that um, there were two things, either that the first one or that the second ones got through the maze because they were fed better and so they became smarter, which is a known thing that we know about that, biology. Yeah, that, is that, that food that makes you more intelligent. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then the other one was that the after the fir- after the ones had gone through the maze before them, the trail of there the was scent. a trail of goo, and it basically created a goo highway for these. So worms they used to go. the same maze. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. No, that's that's bad testing. So, yeah. Exactly. So it was kind of one of those cases of the scientists trying to, like, maybe they set up the the puzzle and like did it, and once they had the conclusion they wanted, they just shut it all down and didn't ask any more questions. Case closed. Yep. <laughs> it's proven. Yeah. So it's it's one of those like occultish almost kind of like studies where like you can point to it and be like, look at this insane thing. Like this is some witchy shit. But then it's like it's not totally verifiable. Right. It was one study done in the fifties that was pretty much debunked. Yep. Um. But it, it's it, like it's like when the CIA tested like uh like the Philadelphia Project her experiment like the right. whole teleporting thing. Yeah. Exactly. Um. But what's cool in this kind context though is that does make it a very cool thing to pluck for a science fiction story though oh no it's because that's honestly the perfect thing for it right because that means (laughs) it was just plausible enough for scientists to investigate it which makes it perfect for science fiction science fiction doesn't need to be all accurate perfect science i mean it would be boring if it was exactly um but this is just just close enough where it's like ooh, i'm like settling in this sounds cool (laughs) yeah totally yeah so I'm, i'm into that and so the way he describes it is 
uh, planarian worms. He says this isn't. He's describing the accident. Like Alec Holland was in his lab, yep. and he looked under his desk, and he was 18 inches away from the dynamite when he blew up. Mm-hmm. So Woodrow's saying like Alec Holland was dead. Yeah, he was long dead. He was fucking dead, dead, dead. Yep. And like he, his body, like his muscles, like were had enough energy to get through into the swamp and fall into the water, but he was long gone. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened was the the biorestorative formula that was in the explosion caused the plants around that body to expand and grow, and it consumed the body of Alec Holland. Yep. And along with this theory, also consumed his memories, his personality, everything about him. His consciousness. And so when it so when it started to become a living conscious being for the first time, it went to the form that was most comfortable for it, the one that it knew, yeah. which was a human body. So it shows the like the art here is really cool too, because it shows like a plant just growing from like from the skeleton into like kind of like a almost like a fetus and then a man and then grows out of the out of the swamp. Yeah, like the, there's a one shot where like the feet and legs are literally coming out of the mouth <laughs> <laughs> as a turtle swims by. He's like, whoa, <laughs> that's messed up. And so Woodrow like has had a breakthrough here. He's like, this isn't Alec Holland. This is a creature that thinks it's Alec Holland. Yep, and it's like. Like, that's a twist. <laughs> that's a fucking twist on this character. And so, oh, yeah. like, if I would have been, like, imagine already being a Swamp Thing fan, like, when this came out and reading this and being like, holy fuck. Yeah, that's really turning the table. That would be a hell of a fucking twist for a yep. Swamp Thing fan. Like, that would be awesome. Um, because it adds a lot more to the character, like a lot more internal struggle. It's not just, I've become a monster, how do I turn myself back? Like, I'm ugly in society. Like, you know, it, that's a story we get, like, in Bigfoot and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's Been a done very, before. Very basic, uh, fra- it's Frankenstein. Yep. It's Frankenstein over again. Yep. So what this does is it, it makes it, uh, adds, like, a layer of existential horror to it, too. Because uh, as this issue goes on, he's like, I wonder what Swamp Thing would do, like, once he realized that. Like, because this whole time he's probably been thinking he's Alec Holland. He probably th- was just thinking, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a science expert. I'm just going to figure out a way to fix this. It's not easy right now. I'm going to go through a rough time, but one day I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to go back to being Alec Holland. Yeah, like I, I turn myself into this. I can turn myself back. Exactly. So this is, uh, that's never happening. No, nope. you. N- not only are you not going to turn back into Alec Holland, you never were Alec Holland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Alec Holland is dead and passed on from this plane. Yeah, you're literally just like the the vibrational shadow of Al Collins consciousness. Yeah. So that's like another <laughs> layer of existential horror that I really like for this. It's like, it's like a body horror. Like yep. more than that, it's like soul horror. Exactly. Like it, it really opens up a lot of avenues into like stories you can go down just about like, just who, like consciousness in general, like the, the whole I- identity of like you as a person and like I, the whole I, like it's, yep. all, it's insane. Yeah. You kind of get some of that in like AI kind of stories too. It's like similar themes to that. Yeah, Totally. And uh, the funny part, too, is when Woodrow has this epiphany, he's pitching this all to Sunderland, and Sunderland is kind of like a dummy. He, he, he even admits Yeah, he stopped like, listening after this first sentence. Yeah. He, <laughs> as soon as he hears the part that he wants or that he can latch onto, he stops listening. He doesn't care about the, the scientific or the moral implications of any of this. He's just like, wait, okay, I figured it out. I understand. How can I profit from this? Yeah, that's what he pays the poor people to do. Right. He even says that. He's like, listen, I'll be the first to admit I'm not smart. Yeah. But I pay other people to be smart with me, or smart for me and then i I move up ahead of them and I, I eat them for breakfast yep like there are plenty of clever me, cleverer men than me ha, have ended up penniless while I've ended up rich like I, I know how to fucking stay rich and keep my money because I'm an evil bastard is essentially what he's saying yep yeah and like and Sunderland obviously has all the power here because Woodrow knows that 
as soon as he finishes this project, Sunderland's just going to have him sent right back to prison. Yeah, he admits that. He, yeah. know, he knows that, like, he is, as soon as he's outlived his usefulness, Sunderland does not want anything to do with him. Yeah. This whole time he's been making fun of him, calling him a freak, you know, things like that. He's just using him, and, and Woodrow knows this. Oh, yeah. Uh, and even as he's going through and explaining all this, he knows this. Um, and so Woodrow is kind of setting up things behind the scenes as well, because like I said, he's yeah. a twisted fuck. He laid a backup plan. Yes, and so Woodrow is a twisted fuck, and he's got a plan here. And the narration, like with this page and um, uh, here in the middle of anatomy lesson, is just so fucking cool. Yeah, it's it's just like a fucking like uh like a continual countdown. Yep, because he he's left the lab. He's he's checked out. He's punched out for the day. He's just writing in his journal yep. about what he's done. And so we getting it in in hindsight is a cool way to write this for horror too, because we get uh him describing what he thinks might happen based on what he did, and then we see. Like the visuals of it, and seeing that he's exactly right. Yeah. And the line that I love uh, when that kicks this off here is uh, uh, Sunderland. He should have let me finish. He should have listened to me. Then I'd have been able to tell him the most important thing of all. I'd have been able to explain to him that you can't kill a vegetable by shooting it through the head. <laughs> yep. Fucking ooh, <laughs> Yeah. Meanwhile, you see uh, Swamp Thing like ba- slowly dethawing and growing out. Yep. Oh, I love that that line. That's such a badass line. Right. Because you see him growing out as you hear that, you're like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. someone's coming back for revenge. It's about to go off. Yep. Because you see him, like, it's like, sure, you could have, uh, you know, maybe shocked him into a coma, maybe even froze the body to slow down his regeneration. But yep. you, you're not going to stop, like, uh, an, a, a plant that can regrow itself at will. Yeah, it's exactly. It's just going to go green and rip out and, you know, find a way. Yep. Uh, Jeff Goldblum style. <laughs> And uh, it, there's uh, the narration is really good because he's like, I wonder what would happen. I wonder if he'll get there in time to see the transformation. And then he opens the the cabinet. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll be too late. Yeah. And it's uh, like him seeing, hearing him describe this. Like this would go really well in live action. Hearing this oh, over yeah. narration as you see him doing this. Definitely. Like m- maybe he'll run. Maybe he'll be banking on the fact that he has a security team on the roof. Wait, will he get there? Yep. <laughs> and maybe he'll try to unlock the doors. Oh wait, maybe someone changed that. <laughs> yeah, he'd just slowly throwing shade at him. Yep. And then I, I love the page where uh it's um it's like and maybe if someone left the file for for the creature on his desk like maybe if he got there before and read the file he'd know that was the dirtiest move yep because <laughs> you see swamp thing going through seeing everything they've done to him and not only that seeing what they've discovered yeah because it's like with that existential dread like knowing what he is what would he be capable of seeing the man who's done this all to him yeah like that's usually pretty hard news to deliver just as it is and just to have it read cold like just out of nowhere with no build-up that's and- that's and then as read. soon as you hear that, to see the man who just dissected you standing in front of you. That's that's probably my favorite part in this, when fucking he finally confronts Sunderland, and Sunderland sees that he read the file, and he's like, oh, did you like it? And then he just shows <laughs> Swamp Thing's eyes, like, about to fucking pop out of his head. Yep, he's like, uh, can I sell this? I'll try, I'll try. <laughs> How's it going, bud? Oh, that didn't work. Oh, fuck! We're friends, right? <laughs> And then, uh, and then, yeah, Woodrow's like, I wonder if there'll be blood. Uh, probably not. It doesn't matter. And then I don't even know what Swamp Thing does to him, but it's bad. Yeah, it, yeah, it's pretty bad. It, it almost seems like he absorbs like part of him into his body. Like that's one way Swamp Thing can kill people. Okay, like it, it's gruesome. Yeah, I was picturing that, or he just like crushed his skull or inserted like a vine into his brain or yeah, something. Yeah, because there is a body left behind, but it's hard to tell like what's left of him. Yeah, totally. Uh, so 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 that that's how the issue ends. It just ends with Woodrow sipping wine in his apartment, you know, contemplating over what he's done, and then Swamp Thing escapes. So that's just like a really awesome, like dark kind of horror. Not just horror, but like a twisty kind of like a, um, 
kind of like uh, exploration of the rules. Yeah. Kind of like we've talked about. That's one thing I, uh, that I think we really enjoy in comic books where you explore the rules, not in a way that makes fun of like comic books, but in a way that takes the rules you already have and makes them work in an interesting way. And like if you can tie that together in a way that sells well, yep. that hits hard. I yeah, like that. It really broadens the landscape. Yep. And not only that, but if you can if you can use it to add more to the characterization too, like this yep. adds a lot because now you have that external struggle, like we talked about, that we get to move forward with. Because now he has to confront Abby and Matt and two and be like, uh, I don't know who I am. <laughs> like Alex dead. I hate to break the news. I'm to you. not exactly Al Collin. Yeah, and then uh, the Philonic Man breaks uh, breaks that news first, actually, because we see Abby and Matt going through the swamp, still looking for. Um, for, for Alec, and and Matt is is done with this. He's like, we've been crawling around in the swamp forever. We don't have jobs anymore. Like, we need to do something different. Yeah, I feel kind of bad for him because he's just like, oh, we'll move, we'll move away and just live on the beach or something and be a happy couple. And she's just like, yeah, I don't have any interest in doing that. Right. It's, it's like, <laughs> oh, my life is kind of shitty right now, isn't it? It's like, dude, just take the hit. Like, you are obviously not wanted here. Yeah, exactly. It's like it, it sucks, but it's better. Honestly, uh, things aren't gonna go great from you if, for you if you stay around. Too, so. Exactly. Like he's got to have some foresight and be like, I should probably get out of here before things escalate. Yeah. And oh my, I want to call out the art again too, because there's a really cool page here where they find uh, the body of Swamp Thing, like the one. Yeah, um, he's been having a rough time since uh, that whole ordeal. Yeah, like there's there's like one of the bodies of. So I'll say one of the bodies because at this point we know that it's not just him. It could be anywhere. Yeah. yeah uh, it's like grown into like a stump, and it's like uh, kind of like grown over and like his mouth has turned into like a water stream it looks really cool on this cover page yeah the, issue he, 22 yeah the floronic man basically calls it like he rooted himself like he just laid down in a spot for so long that his roots just extended into the ground yeah essentially he just uh retreated into the green yeah because he it, once he's had this existential crisis he's like maybe my body isn't real like i maybe i don't need it anymore like yeah this body was just a mental construct to make me more comfortable but fuck it now yeah the philonic man is just having a freaking boner over this because he is imagining how awesome that's got to be yeah the floronic man uh is very is very he's uh glorifying all of this in mm -hmm. his head because the floronic man has this uh idea in his head that plant life is perfect and that's that's my heaven yeah because he because he, he is not really part of the green as as it's described in this book like he's not part of that consciousness of elemental you know nature yeah like he's part plant but he's not part of the plants yes. like he's not connected to the green exactly he has plant parts but not a plant brain and he's jealous as hell of over swamp thing about it yeah because he he's come here and, and like he's gotten the connection to like this plant life that he can only imagine yeah like he in his in his mind it's like glorious heaven yep um and so he he wants that for himself, and so he wants to sabotage Alex's journey or uh, Alex's journey across this as much as he can. So he comes up to uh, Abby and Matt, uh, who are like investigating uh, Swamp Thing's body. Um, like we said, it's just been rooted and essentially is vacant right mm -hmm. now. Um, and he goes uh, like, "Hey, uh, there's not really much there. He's gone. He decided to fuck off. It wasn't even Alex, so maybe you guys can just stop caring and go away now." <laughs> yeah, leave me to my work. Yeah, because he just wants to get them away from the body. Yeah, like and every time he comes into contact with either Abby or any other human, like in his head when they're like leaving, it's just like goddamn meat bags. <laughs> yeah, like, I hate talking to them. All they do is eat. Right. <laughs> um, and so he's kind of mad that they're just sitting around sulking around this body. He's like, "I already told you, he's not." real he doesn't love you anymore just leave the body so i can grab it and eat it I yeah eat it. <laughs> it's chow time because that's his plan here because he's like floronic worms that's all it took so i'm just gonna take a piece of swamp thing bon appetit yeah he takes a tuber which is i hate that word in that term <laughs> the tuber and <laughs> tubers give me get, yeah, bro give me a slice of that tuber oh, it's such a gross <laughs> word but i love potatoes but take i hate a big the bite word. of that tuber <laughs> 
Yeah, but mean, meanwhile, uh, they, all the sequences where it's like the pers- uh, the seeing it from Swamp Thing's point of view, where he's like battling with losing his humanity and the way it's like playing out like image wise is really cool yeah there's an interesting uh almost like dream sequence here where it's swamp thing battling for his uh i don't know what you call it his consciousness or like his ego it's like you got to have enough ego to hold on to that sense of self yeah it's basically like him playing out an ego death almost yeah exactly it reminded me a lot of uh the some reason that we did the whole doom patrol like cliff when he's having his whole yes. moment yeah it, it's a lot of parallels between that yes it is um because like well like we talked about with him like trying to stay in his robot body it's like can i keep some construct of myself throughout this plane of just ethereal consciousness yeah and like and after he loses his brain when he's just literally a backup on a drive he's like am i still me or am i just a robot like right. Yeah, so it's, it's like a, it's a similar, similar thing similar. here. Oh, so yeah. his consciousness has gone into the collective green, and as far as like plant life is, there's no individuality. Mm-hmm. It's all one coexistence, one big pool of of green goo people. Yep, like not even people, just goo goo thing is what it is. It's <laughs> but, yeah, it's like they get, it's like uh, the, uh, very similar to the whole unified field idea. Yeah. Um. So Swamp Thing, his his. He is, for intents and purposes, kind of still Alec Holland. He's got all the memories yeah. of Alec Holland. He's got his personality. He's not him technically, but he's he is him. You he's, know, at the very least, he's an echo of Alec Holland. Yeah. yeah, and so he's having this dream in like being in the green doesn't quite work for him. Like he's got part of him that is still human. Yep. So he's trying to hold on to that just enough to form himself back. Mm-hmm. And there's a really good message here too, where he uh, is kind of losing it. Um, and kind of people keep telling him like, uh, oh, you're like, all you have left is the humanity. All you got to do is get rid of that part. And yeah. Abby is the one in the vision telling him like, well, that's the one good part. Yes. You should hold on to that. That part's a gift. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like a, the good message of this where it's like, yeah, you could just become part of the ethereal consciousness and just kind of give up and go to heaven. Yeah. Uh, essentially. And just kind of this like stop being you. But that humanity is maybe something to hold on to. Maybe that's not all bad. Maybe mm-hmm. that's the one thing worth keeping. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what Abby's trying to tell him in this vision. Um, this vision also does kind of give us some foreshadowing as to things that are going on. Like we mentioned, we see Matt Cable uh, having drinks with Anton Arcane. Yeah, which is a big <laughs> red flag. Yeah, not a good, uh, not a good friend. Yep. And so Anton Arcane is in some form of of this ethereal conscious, not the green necessarily, but he's he's out there. He's yep. in the magic waves. Somewhere. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a word for that, right? For, for what you're talking about? For what being in the magic waves? Like for well, for Anton's thing. Oh, they're the rot. Yeah, yeah. It's not fully established here, but it's it's basically set up here. Gotcha. Um, when we get into Swamp Thing, like Swamp Thing's whole place just evolved off of this. What what Alamore built. Alamore put a lot of the pieces in place, and people just built off of that. Gotcha. Um, and made whole realms. Like there's the green, the rot, which is death and decay, which is basically Anton's realm and Abby's realm to an extent. Yeah. Um, and then there's other things like uh, the red is uh, animal life. That's kind of established here in this arc, I noticed. Okay. Um, he even mentions like the red, and it shows like a red caterpillar eating another bug. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of where he's establishing the idea of the red, which is animal life. Okay. Um, animal life is just stuff that consumes other animal life, because that's how... That's the, the basic, most basic like way to bugs, understand it. Yeah, it's just animals. animals just exist, eat other animals, and okay. just keep going in a loop of that. Gotcha. It's basically what they simplify the red down to. Okay. Um, is that cycle of death and you know consumption and that kind of thing. Aurobos or whatever. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and so th- those are the three main realms of Swamp Thing. The other ones are kind of just flavor, I would say. Okay. Um, there, there's some really, <laughs> not to get too much into it, but there's some really dumb ones that get added later, like the metal, it's AI life. I'm like, this is just AI. That's, That's not a th- thing. Yeah, it already has a thing. It's not an <laughs> elemental force. Yeah. Yeah, like there's no like outside consciousness from it. There's some cool ones, though. Like there's a, a whole realm that's not really expanded on yet called, uh, it's like the um, uh, the micro the realm of microorganisms, like uh, bacteria. Oh, damn. So that one's kind of cool. It's like they, they none of them cooperate. Operate. They all just kind of coexist, and they don't quite have a consciousness, but they do. But no one understands it. It's pretty cool. Okay. So there's some things that using this, all these ideas that he laid down in that one issue, uh, anatomy lesson. People built all of this around it. Like there's a Which, lot. Yeah, that's insane. It's really cool. And so as Swamp Thing is going through this consciousness, he basically has this vision of him being Alec Holland, putting on this suit and becoming Swamp Thing Mm -hmm. and being told, like, you might be a Swamp Thing now, but, like, hold on to your humanity because, like, that's all you – that's what you have. Like, that's what we gave you. That's your gift. Yep. And – but as he's he's floating through the green, he does also have uh, visions of something wrong, too, because, uh, like we mentioned, the Floronic Man has eaten a piece of him. He he, He's – Put it on a plate and just started nomming down on Swamp Thing's body. Yep. Um, which is giving it is it is working. It's giving him powers. It's connecting him to the green. Um, because that's uh one thing that's going to be established as this run goes on is anyone can just eat a piece of Swamp Thing, uh, and kind of get some kind of it's temporary, but a connection to the green as you're consuming it. Yep. As your body is digesting it, you get connected to it through that you know uh, edible knowledge. Yeah, he's basically just like a walking psychedelic. Yeah, yeah, walking like <laughs> psychedelic lunch table. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and the page, I think it's yeah, page twenty-two of this is like when it's um, when the Floronic Man is going through his transition, like after he's the fucking Swamp Thing potato is kicking in, it's insanely good art. It's like a double page spread of him like just having an insane transition, and that's really well placed there because that's right after we get Alex's interpretation of the Green as well. It kind of compares how their two experiences differ. Yeah, they almost kind of happen like simultaneously. Yeah, because the way when when Alec first gets connected to the Green, it's described very like beautifully. It's yeah. like I, wait, very natural because he's like, wait, I can feel all the plants around me in the swamp i can feel the trees i can feel the 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 weeds grow flopping in the wind Mm -hmm. i can feel redwoods wait redwoods am i in northern california holy shit i am and then he's like wait i'm not just in california i'm in alaska i can feel the cold on the on the trees yeah i'm in alaska yeah and so he's like wait i'm all the plants at once i'm everywhere at once and i can i'm feeling it i'm experiencing it all at once yep and he sees it as like this beautiful like symbiosis like he's like you know i'm finally at peace like i'm happy like for the first time in my life like this is amazing yep so he's getting that almost sense of like heavenly bliss that the floronic man desperately wants yep but the floronic man's uh, interpretation of it is not quite as clean yeah he, he gets what he asked for but uh he wasn't quite ready for yeah, it because he he uh, Jimmy the lock open and broke into the green. He, yeah. He's not getting the way it's th- meant to be done. Yeah, when no. he experiences it, it's like a. It's almost like what what we read in Dark Phoenix when uh, Dark Phoenix shocked Windigard with that uh, like celestial knowledge. Yeah, no, totally. It's yeah, it's very similar. Because like when uh, we, we go back and listen to our Dark Phoenix episode, but there's a part where she just like taps his mind and gives him this uh, eternal like awareness of the universe, and it's torture for him because yep. his brain can't handle it. Yeah, it's too much. Uh, and so that's kind of what happens with the Floronic Man here. But the Floronic Man handles it a little bit better because he was already kind of uh, his sense of reality was already a little askew. Yep, uh, he was already kind of like starting to lose it and go towards that uh, realm of just like you know, forget it. I'm all part of the plants now. I'm losing my humanity. For get all of it yeah and he at least had a build-up and was like at least ready for the process of it <laughs> yeah to a little bit extent yeah. yeah um 
So he is, he does have some kind of powers now. He has some kind of control over the green, and he his plan is to use that to take over the world. Yep. He is kind of uh, using this as his excuse to perform murder, is yep. basically what we're getting here. Because <laughs> the way he pitches it is he's trying to make it sound very plausible. Like, oh, well, humans go around with their bulldozers and are annihilating all of the green like they deserve payback. They, you know, they deserve bloodshed for what they've, they've declared war on the green. Yep. And, uh, you know, so he's kind of using some good points to try to turn his message to make it okay for him to murder people. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, you guys do these bad things, so now I have a green light to just fucking go off. Yeah, he's a radical. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> um, he is, a like we saw in Anatomy Lesson, he's a person who gets joy from sadistic things, like murder. Yep. Like, he, he if, if someone who he thinks deserves it, he wants to see them die in a painful way. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got that, like, murderer's mentality in his head. So him getting control of this power is, like, a corrupting uh, force in the green. Like, uh, Alec Holland can see it like he's like something feels evil here something doesn't feel right like something feels hatred you know in this you know peaceful green that's supposed to be all peaceful and quiet yeah there's something here that shouldn't be something here is being loud yeah and he describes it like uh like something from the red angry world which is what we i was describing earlier where it's like a shot uh really well illustrated here um of this like uh red uh, centipede going and eating the smaller bug and just like eating it alive and consuming it mm-hmm. and so he describes it as uh, a red angry world red things happen there the world eats your wife eats your friends eats all the things that make you human and you become a monster hmm. um, is what with the way they describe it and that kind of uh, you know compares to what Alex going through as well yeah and uh, I actually I just noticed this shot zooms out too of this caterpillar eating and it zooms out on Swamp Thing's body it's just like this speck So it starts out as just like this bloody massacre that you see, like with this uh, centipede, and then it zooms out, and it's like it doesn't even matter. Yeah, kind of a cool perspective. Yeah, then you could see the the tuber sitting there, and then the last panel, it's gone. Oh yeah, true. And so yeah, the Floronic Man starts his rampage uh, across um, you know small town Louisiana here, and uh, one of the towns just gets straight up obliterated by him. He he blows the whole town up and kills everybody. Yeah, it's brutal. He tells everyone to go inside and like just builds or grows the earth around their doors and windows, and then just ups the oxygen until like people start either lighting a match or whatever. In this case, a cigarette got lit at two a.m. and blew up the town. Yeah, yeah. just everything just blew up. And he tells one person to film it and go spread the message like a fucking egotistical psychopath. Yeah, because he's like, well, I can't just murder everyone. Someone's got to know about it. Go tell everybody how cool I am. <laughs> Let the Justice League know. Yeah, that's the cool part. Is um, there's a really great panel where, because I like when books that aren't, because there's uh, sometimes in superhero comics, there's books that aren't as tied into the universe as other books. Swamp Thing is a good example of that. A lot of times, Swamp Thing is going to feel like a book that doesn't need to take place in the DC universe. It mm-hmm. does, and a lot of times it will tie in in a big way. But a lot of times you'll forget about it. Because it's just in its own corner of it's doing its own thing. Yeah. So it's cool when you get those moments that do connect it. Um, Like when he goes and annihilates that town, like the chain of command gets called up and it's like, this whole town got obliterated. Who are we going to call? Like, yeah. We have to call the Justice League. <laughs> so that, like as soon as I saw that line, I was like, oh shit, that's not what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting Alan Moore to want to, you know, pull out these superhero names. Yeah, seriously. Woodrow does actually go for Abby as well, try to take her, but Swamp Thing uh, materializes himself for the first time out of the green after re- uh, you know realizing you know who he is and what he wants to be. Yeah, and there's a great uh, full uh, you know full page spread here of um, I- I- I'm going to post this page on Twitter because I think it's an iconic Swamp Thing picture of uh, him you know materia- materializing for the first time and saving Abby is like the swamp life kind of like fly goes flying around him as he forms his body. It's a really good page. Oh yeah. 
And so the Floronic Man has declared war on the Earth, and Swamp Thing is the only one standing up to him at this point. The Justice League is on their way, though. Um, there's a really cool few pages here where Alan Moore writes this version of the of the 80s Justice League team here. Um, the team that we see here talking is Superman, Hawkman, Firestorm, uh, Satana very briefly, um, Barry Allen, Flash, and, uh, and Green Arrow. Uh, that's the team that we have right here. They have a lot of um, interesting dialogue here that they go over as well, kind of like debating what they know and what's changed. Um, because they, they know of the Floronic Man and they know of Swamp Thing. Yeah. Uh, they've encountered both of them before. It's just they've been small small potatoes at this point. Um, yeah, and at, at this point, they're under the assumption that the Swamp Thing is just a swamp Bigfoot. Right. So, you know, he's not an ethereal consciousness. Or, right, like, so they're not taking it too seriously yet, but then they see what he's doing and they're like, how is this happening? Like, nothing... Uh, he's never had these powers over other plant life before, and if if he does control all plant life, things could get pretty fucked. Because if he can do what he says he's, he wants to do, you know, turn all of the air to carbon dioxide, we're mm-hmm. all dead. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool concept because I I think it's uh, the Green Lantern who says it, but he basically along the lines of like, yeah, like we can fight things that are a threat to Earth, but right now the Earth is threatening us. Like we can't do anything. Right. Um, and they have some cool theories as to how to stop it, too. Like, Superman brings up a good idea. He's like, uh, hell, like, you know, Green Lanterns of all sorts of species. Like, some of them are even, like, plant life themselves, almost yep. like Swamp Thing. More like the Floronic Man than Swamp Thing. Yep. Um, so, like, maybe you could call them for help. And he's like, I don't even know if they would be connected. They'd be just as alien to this as we are. Like, yeah. They're plant life, but they're not Earth plant life. And then uh, Firestorm has a really cool idea, too, where he's like, well, maybe I could turn uh, all of the air to something else. Like, his powers, he can change elements. Mm-hmm. So it's like, damn, like, maybe my power is perfect well, but i mean i think that's just a little bit out, outside of his for the whole planet like he could do that to like maybe a room or like a city maybe but superman even says like you can't count all the molecules on the planet like that's not possible for you either exactly um, like it's too big of a scope right and so they're, they're kind of like the way they're talking like they're gonna go out and do what they can but they're, they're kind of out of their element here mm-hmm. so that's when we cut to swamp thing it's like he's really the only one who can stop him here yeah uh, they're the only one who has a plan to stop him and it's Floronic Man is kind of surprised. He, he offers uh, Alec his hand. He's like, "Oh, you're you're my brother in arms. Like, of course you're gonna join me in this battle, right? Like, you're a plant. You're not even human. Like, this is your battle." Yeah, he almost like takes a knee to him. He's like, "You're my king, I guess. Like, yeah, exactly. like I worship you." Yeah, because he kind of does like this whole time. As soon as he learned what he was, that was like his ideal man. Like, yeah. that was his hero. That was his role model. That's who he wanted to be. Yeah, he's like his messiah. Yeah, exactly. So he's like, you know, I defer to your wisdom. Mm-hmm. And Swamp Thing's like. You're fucked. <laughs> it's like what the That's fuck? That's my are wisdom. You, like what you're going you down doing? right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, like, look at what you're doing. He has some really good lines here. He's like, what you're doing is egotistical and it's it's bloody and it's evil. Like this, look what you're doing is the way of man. Like mm-hmm. this is mankind. You're waging war. Yeah. Like man destroys. Like the green doesn't destroy. Yeah. Plants don't wage war. Humans wage war. And what yep. you're doing is a human action. Yep. The green isn't going into you and telling you what to do you went into the green and tried to tell it what to do like you're corrupting the green and trying to to bring your fucking business in here and it's not happy yeah and so he's like no you're lying like this is what i want this is what we all want like i'm part of this like you know i'm important yeah you know that's his struggle he's having like are you telling me i'm a fucking nobody (laughs) he's like sadly yes (laughs) yeah and then yeah he lays the truth bomb on him where 
because it's pretty nearsighted because he's like yeah well you destroy all humans and animals like their carb what are, what the hell are the plants gonna eat without their car carbon dioxide like we need them too as much as they need us yep so that's what he's like there's a balance there's a symbiosis like we all need to coexist it's not one or the other it's not you versus me it's like we're in here together yeah and that's what you don't understand that's why you're fucked bud <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then like uh, alec actually has the power here to take that away from him too because he has a connection to the green and he's like i'll maybe i'll just take that away from you because you don't deserve it yeah honestly this is a rough pie like i feel bad for him at this point because he's like stumbling around like and all the greens just leaving him he's, and there's one flower left he's like no please like just you stay like i need it yeah because that introduction we got to his uh his experience of experiencing the consciousness it gets taken away from him one by one he's like i can no longer feel the the cherry blossoms in japan yeah. i can no longer feel like the wind blowing you know through the the tall forests of california i'm yeah, losing like, it all it, it's like a, a sadly beautiful like sequence yep because it's like a unwinding of that uh that narrative we got before but it's like you're slowly getting all this parts of the consciousness now it's slowly being taken away from you yeah and so that sets in. him up to be a villain for the rest of his career here essentially too yeah because once you get a taste of that you're gonna want that back yeah, he's got clear motivation clear dog in this fight for him to always be a swamp thing villain now yeah he's like i want that back yeah he's gonna be chasing the dragon yep so so i think that's what makes the floronic uh, man fun to read about because he he's a person who wants that for the wrong reasons mm-hmm. so i think that that's a, a really cool story and uh and the, the arc ends with uh, Swamp Thing having a little bit of acceptance here. He's like, uh, he goes to Abby and they have a heart to heart. And she's like, I know you're not Alec, but you know, as far as I'm concerned, you are, you know, you're him. You have his brain, you have his personality, you have his heart. You're Alec as far as I'm concerned. And he's, and even Swamp Thing's like, no, like I appreciate it, but I'm not like I'm Alec Holland is dead. I'm just, you know, I have parts of him, parts of him will live on in me, but from now on, I'm Swamp Thing. Yeah, like, that's who I am. I'm I'm a new man, and I'm going to make my own rules now. Yeah, it's just another one of those really cool existential moments. Yep, and so that's uh, him and Abby walking into the swamp, starting a new adventure. So that's a really good way to kick off this arc. Be like, no, I'm, I'm my own fucking character. Damn it, we're st- and here's where it starts. And it's like Alamore being like, nah strap in we're getting started now right yeah like his narration as he's leaving too when he's going back into the green and he's just saying like why did i ever leave this place like i want to walk here forever and it's just like god that'd be so awesome yep that's what that's one thing that really strikes that's one thing when i first read this that really uh, latched onto me with reading swamp thing is there's a really um it's got it's a horror book at its core usually mm-hmm. but it's got those moments where it does become like that kind of like beautiful kind of like almost like psychedelic kind of like meta consciousness narrative that's really fun to read about like almost oh, yeah. peaceful yeah so i, I I do like that a lot too when it comes up a lot in these stories totally and then of course the final page here is just uh, an iconic swamp thing picture of him like accepting you know who he is and accepting you know what he is now and what his place in the world is yeah like the red sun in the back yep the red sun rising behind him in the swamp and him just raising his arms up to the sky fucking iconic picture right yeah that's so amazing yep so that's where we're going to leave off now. We're going to pick up right where we left off next week, reading the next arc, which is going to feature our, our boy Etrigan, the rapping demon. Uh, he's, Wait, what? Oh, you never heard of Etrigan? <laughs> no. Oh, he's a rapping demon. You're going to love him. Like rapping, like... He says he says he's a rhyming demon, but all you got to do is put a beat behind it. <laughs> <laughs> so he just needs like a, a beatboxing henchman? Yes. Oh my God. If his sidekick was a beat, beatboxer, that's gold. I don't, I don't know how they missed that. <laughs> So yeah, we're going to be continuing that next week with more Swamp Thing, but for now what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to actually rewind the clock back 2 years. Yeah. The story we just read took back uh took place back in 1984. We're going to go back a couple more years before that, back to 1982, uh when theaters were graced with the presence of Swamp Thing by Wes Craven is the movie we're going to be talking about <laughs> today and uh yeah, so this is basically, I guess, what you, the easiest way to describe it is you're getting a B movie here. Oh, it's yeah. very much like a B uh, horror, like monster movie, Bigfoot, 
uh, werewolf kind of thing. Uh, very much that kind of style. Um, it, yeah, I just realized this was before Nightmare on Elm Street, actually. Oh, was it really? Yeah, Ni- Nightmare on Elm Street was 84. Oh, okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so this was early Wes Craven. So yeah, this was him kind of just like, because uh, one, one, one statement he had about this movie, which I thought was interesting, um, is, and this is probably a, a very important thing for B-movies, is he said the thing he was most proud about in this movie was that he got it done, and he got it done on time and on budget. And that that's just a Wes Craven special. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, yeah. That's yeah. That's what you're gonna get. Yeah, and I mean, hey, if that's what you're going for, he he's got you ready. Yeah, I mean, he's not the worst. I mean, he, no. he gets the job done. Yeah, and then, you know what? If you're going in for a B movie, you can do worse than this movie. Oh God, yeah. So as a B horror movie, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. As a Swamp Thing movie, it's not great. No, no. Yeah, this movie is um, overall not the best. Um, there's parts of it that work and then, listen, I understand it's supposed to be campy and there's parts where I do appreciate the campiness and it's oh, fun yeah. to watch. There's parts where it's less fun to watch. Like the whole movie kind of hinges around these fucking like army guys who keep going around doing mo- having most of the scenes. Oh yeah. And they the- take up at least 50% of the screen time. And they're not even army guys. They're just dressed in camo. They're yeah. like Anton Arcane's henchmen, and they get like all the screen time in this movie, and they're insufferable. They're yeah, so like, insufferable. You said that we were watching it, like it seems like they were just the casting directors, like bar buddies. Yeah, like they just grabbed him off a stool and were like, "Hey, put on a camo T-shirt and hold a gun." Yeah, it, <laughs> the movie starts with them crawling through the swamp, and it's supposed to look spooky, but it literally just looks like. Uh, and I there's B movie campiness and there's we made a movie with our friends in high school campiness. Exactly. Like they literally are wearing like camo t shirts from Walmart and have just like green uh like watercolor paint like on their face. Like it looks so bad. Yeah, and like half of them just like like look just like, you know, like overweight bar buddies. You know, yep. they don't look like mercenaries. There's, None of them do. There's one dude with a red bandana and a cigar. Who just looks like uh if you mixed Steven Cigar or if you mixed uh Sylvester Stallone and Andy Samberg and put a bandana <laughs> on him. No, that's a great analogy. <laughs> and gave him a cigar and made him the most insufferable character you've ever witnessed. Oh yeah. I gotta say though, my favorite part of this was they did get Ray Wise to play Al Collin, which if you're a Twin Peaks fan He's a legend. Does he play Alec Holland or does he play Swamp Thing? He plays Alec Holland. Okay. Before, he's the scientist. I see, okay. No, the dude who plays Swamp Thing is some dude, just some seven-foot dude who's I would like imagine, a, a yeah. stunt actor, yeah. Um, so the movie does take a lot... Of, the movie is more based on like the classic Swamp Thing that we kind of pitched at the yep. start of this podcast where he was like, he was just a man who got in an explosion and became a swamp monster. Yeah. That's essentially what you're going to get here. None of that, stu- that uh, metaphysical consciousness stuff is in here at all because it, it to be fair, they didn't know about it yet. It had not been written. Exactly, yeah. Um, or maybe it was being, honestly, they were probably being being created around the same time. Because usually comics are written uh, at least a year or two in advance. Oh, yeah. Before they come out. So it was probably similar times. Yeah, it was pretty close. But they were building off the same thing. It was it was Swamp Thing, the Swamp Monster Bigfoot versus Anton Arcane. That was the big villain. He was always like a zombie man. Yep. Um, the Anton Arcane we get here is nothing like that. It's really boring. He's kind of closer to Sunderland. Yeah, definitely. I would say. Um, but at the end, oh, we'll talk about that at the end. I don't even want to bring that up yet. <laughs> no, not yet. But no, but uh, Anton Arcane, his intro as a character in this movie is the most Scooby Doo shit I've ever seen. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. Because <laughs> it starts out and um, uh, in well, in this movie, it's not Abby Cable, it's Alice Cable. I don't which, know why they had to. Change I don't know the why name. you had to do that. Yeah, same syllable, same starting letter, but whatever. So she shows up and there's like a secret lab. Blah blah blah. Alex is the main scientist, and there's some like. Uh, fa- there's some British dude running around who's like Alex's bodyguard and has to make sure he's always. Safe. I guess he's like the guy who shoots alligators. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's just the alligator henchman. So yeah. it, and that there's a point when like shit's going down and this dude peels back like a crazy mask off his face and it's like I'm Arcane. Oh yeah, like Red Skull in First Avengers. <laughs> yeah, like straight up. It's so Scooby Doo. Except it's, crazy. it's 
ridiculous because the person who became before that was very clearly a different man. Oh, yeah. Easily. <laughs> like, it was the worst thing I've ever seen. And there's seen. a part later where he has to fake the voice over the <laughs> phone, and the voice is such a bad, like, British accent trying to sound like that first guy, that first actor. And honestly, the accents aren't that much different. The only difference is when he's arcane, he just sounds, like, more serious. <laughs> like, and it's just, and he's always yeah. holding, like, a glass of wine. Like, it's just so over the top. Yeah, the worst defense that this movie has, and even on a B-movie level, it, the, this is fair, um, is that the whole movie is just a constant chase scene. It literally. Because Abby gets away from that explosion and the rest of the movie is them chasing her through the swamp and i'm not exaggerating no that's the rest of the movie she never leaves the swamp no never and the, the only time we ever leave the swamp as an audience is when we're getting like the occasional scene with anton just sitting in his chair like we just get scenes of him chilling going like i wonder if i could get the swamp thing stuff because the swamp thing the bio restorative formula in this is basically like magic juice it's just it's uh what is it uh it's the reanimator goo it's just the, the neon green slime well it starts out believable it starts out science fiction yeah like, like you know and like it makes kind of sense because they the have realm. this plant formula he explodes with the plant formula so he turns into plant man yeah we can buy that i can roll with that but then they lose their own logic super super quickly right because, away because anton tries to give the formula to one of his henchmen like uh at this dinner and gives him the formula and he turns into a goblin and the scene of him transforming is the most three stooges like Oh god! Like, like transformation scene I've ever seen in my life. It is comedic. The acting is awful. Like you, you can act bad even in scenes that don't require much. Like all, all you have to do is scream believably. Yeah, like there's campy bad, and then there's like yodeling. Oh yeah, he was straight up yodeling. Like that was those weren't screams of pain. Those were that was some kind of weird orgasm. Yeah, like it was rough. That was like a yodeling orgasm, <laughs> which I don't want to imagine. I'm gonna yodel on this mountain, and I'm gonna have lots of fun doing it. Oh goddamn. <laughs> But yeah, that's basically, and then he turns into a goblin, and I'm like, is he a plant goblin? No. No, <laughs> no he's not. Stop being plausible. At first, the rules are he turns into a plant because of the bio-restorative formula. Because we it's were, a plant formula. Yeah, they were working on plants. Yeah. So now, all of a sudden, we're told, and this is literally what we're told, Swamp Thing <laughs> tells us this, if you, dr if you drink the formula, A, I don't know how you would know what happens if you drink the formula. Nope. That should never have been even tested you or never, thought about. You never even tested that. No. You would. You're gonna turn into. It's gonna amplify whatever you already are. Yeah. So I guess Alec Holland was a swamp monster at heart. Is what is what sure. Well, I think for him, I think their logic was since he like fell into the swamp while he was on fire from the formula, then it like fused. But then why does that's he, meeting a more why than does halfway, henchman but... turn into a goblin? Because he's he just drank it, so it's just the chemicals just mixing with what's inside. Oh him no, I get what they're yeah. They're, they're, what they're trying to tell us is that because he's an evil henchman, he turns into like a, a little evil goblin. Oh, you think it, like it, human intentions has something to do with it too? That's what I thought because they were like the kind of man you are. Oh yeah, shows what you're gonna morph into okay. is what he's telling us. So that's why when the the useless henchman drinks it, he just turns into like a little goblin who's just like a little troublemaker. Oh, that okay. That's the take I, I think they were trying to tell I us. I think so. I, yeah, yeah, I think because you're right. Because then that explains what happens to Anton, too. Yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, it. so he just became Swamp Thing because he was into plants? I guess. <laughs> I, that's the thing. is like It feels like the rules change halfway through. It's like Avengers Endgame. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the time travel. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like the rules changed at the end of the movie. Now, forget about it. Don't yeah, talk about don't it. Don't think about it. Um, so, and then... Oh god! Can we talk about a part at the very beginning too, when the these army henchmen who we've been intentionally not talking about too much because they take up all of this movie? Oh yeah! But I want to talk about anything else. Yeah, exactly. Because they're the most boring pieces of shit ever. 
Um, the army henchman, one of them pulls a snake out of his pocket. Oh, in, yeah. In one scene. Literally the opening scene. And at first I was like, oh, this is like some supernatural shit. Nope. He's just a henchman who keeps snakes in his pocket. Yeah, apparently he trained it really well that it just hangs out in his pocket. Yeah, and he he has it bite the guy on the head and then literally has it bite him on the balls. Yeah, it just puts it right in and the crotch. And so the guy dies from ball venom. I'm like, why is this in the movie? Yeah, it's a very jarring opening scene. Like that character alone almost ruins the whole movie for me. Like that one henchman, like not like honestly, the other henchman, like the big dude who turns into the goblin. I don't hate him in the end. See, and that dude actually, at least he had some he like had a character arc. Actually, like he actually in he the had end kind some of- mystery because there's a scene where uh like after the explosion where Abby's Alice is hiding out and the the fat henchman like finds um. Alex's sister's like necklace or whatever and he like has a weird moment of clarity or like thought where he like looks all sad and like uh whatever and then puts at the, the end of the movie I didn't hate that scene because at the end of the movie they uh he as as the goblin man helps them escape and okay oh yeah no yeah so, so he, he has a redemption so he, they were trying to tell us that he had some good in him okay gotcha um and so he like he made might have been evil like mostly and that's why he turned into a goblin yeah he's, dude. he's done nothing but bad in his life yep but he had that ping of good that's why he put uh that's why when he thought abby was dead he was like don't take her jewelry let's just leave it here let's you know he's still a piece of shit yeah let's not rub he has some part of guilt at least yeah he feels like these were people you know yeah totally um and so like when he has that second chance to save them especially now that he's been like now that he knows he was just a pawn yeah like he has that kind of redemption and he kind of helps yeah man he he probably had the best arc in that movie (laughs) (laughs) um but the main henchman and thankfully he dies halfway through the movie so yeah like he's this guy he's the one i said looks like andy samberg mixed with sylvester stallone yep I feel like the actor is a big part of the problem here. Cause it's the, horrible acting. Because I feel like Wes Craven needed to tell this actor to fucking tone it down like 50%. Oh, yeah. This actor was trying to be the fucking star stud of the movie. He he wanted to shine. Because like he goes around like with a bandana, always with a cigar in his mouth. Yeah, and I don't know how much of that is the character and the actor. I think but part of it is probably the actor. Definitely. I, I feel like that's like there, there's people like that on movie sets who are like, no, my character would have a cigar, like trying to make their character memorable. And this is like an early thing for Wes Craven. And so he hadn't quite come into his own right. yet. Like you gotta, like you gotta tell him, like, no, bro, you're a henchman. Yeah, be a henchman. Let him be the star. You're not the star of this movie. <laughs> and if I'm Wes Craven on this B movie set, I'm not, like, I'm not gonna sweat over telling this dude to fucking do. <laughs> you're his in job. like the 90 degree fucking Louisiana swamp. Like, fuck it, dude, wear the bandana. I don't have the energy for this shit. Yeah, she's like, whatever. We'll do one more take and get it over with. What if my character took a snake out of his pocket and <laughs> bit, bit this guy on the dick? It's like, uh, sure. We gotta pay them to animate a snake now. God damn it. Fine. <laughs> If, would, if it'll get this day over with, yes. That might have actually been a real snake, actually. I hope not. I mean, it, it didn't bite him, but like yeah. he basically just jabbed it Maybe, at him. Maybe, yeah. Who knows? Fucking God, that character is so... Because the snake thing is not expanded upon him when you look no, back it on it. it never comes up again. Yeah. And Alec Holland just fucking murders that guy, and it was the most satisfying death of the Yeah, movie. he just crushes his head. Yeah. So, God, fuck that character. And now we can finally talk about it, Anton Arcane. Yeah. The whole movie wraps up with, of course, Anton. Um, I was kind of concerned the whole movie that he was. they were kind of just turning him into the the money guy. Yeah, the and, industrialist. Yeah, they, basically they had made him Sunderland. Who, yeah. He was the money guy paying other people to get Swamp Thing for him. That's yeah, like, we wanted. need the formula to make money. And I was like, well, this isn't really the Anton Arcane that I know. You know, like, he, where's, where, are we going to get any of the supernatural stuff? And they kind of kind of try to reference it here yeah um because he takes the formula himself and since i guess he's the most evilest of them all he becomes what he's supposed to become is a zombie man yeah that's what we know him as like a decrepit kind of necrotic uh red skull looking dude yep um and this transformation in the movie literally happens in three parts 
Yeah, the, listen, the transformation starts out looking kind of good. Like, oh, B yeah. movie, like, kind of like Sam Raimi, kind of horror effects, like uh, Tom Savini kind of. Oh, yeah, very Savini. Yeah. Um. So, like, and honestly, they had that when the guy turns into the goblin, too. That didn't look terrible. No, it didn't. Yeah. Um, Just the acting was. <laughs> yeah, so the transition starts out looking pretty good. When I saw them start to do it, I got excited. Because yeah, because it starts out with just his hands go like gray. Yeah, and his dead. fingernails like pop off and yep. shit. I'm like, oh, this is gross. Yeah, like, and then like his pus starts seeping out. Yeah, the like the skin on his head just starts to slowly peel away and like blood just starts pouring down. Yeah, I'm like, oh shit, he's gonna become like a zombie man. He's gonna yep. be like this horrible walking ghoul. This is gonna be badass. Yep. And then all of a sudden it cuts away again, and we tr- come back, and he's grimace all of a sudden. Yeah, he's literally just in a giant. Giant slimy grimace suit. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, he's grimace now. This is bad. Yeah, like this literally looks like a guy wearing a wet trash bag. And then so all of a sudden now I've gone. I'm as excited now. I'm, ba- I'm down. I'm yep. at the bottom. I'm not excited. All of a sudden he starts to crawl out of the cocoon. Yeah, like, he okay, starts peeling it away. It was transitional. Yeah, hopeful again. It's going back up. Yep. This could be cool. All of a sudden he crawls out of the cocoon. Drop down all the way to the bottom. What the fuck crawls out? Yeah, he comes out as a monkey man and he grabs a sword. And goes to fight Swamp Thing. He's Goldar. It's go- It's literally a suitless Goldar. Yeah. So he literally becomes Goldar <laughs> from the Power Rangers. Again, yep. we, we did a three-part series in the Power Rangers. Go back. Uh, go those check episodes. it out. We love Goldar. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah Big we, fans. Me, me and Eric both love Goldar. Yeah, we'll stand him. Yes. So when, when he came out with his sword, we were like, holy shit, it's Goldar. Yeah, because like, we uh, like the, the face and the appearance alone, we're like, holy balls, that's literally Goldar. And then as he's leaving, he grabs a sword, and we just went nuts. We're like, it's Goldar. Like, it was amazing. It was. What's not amazing is the fight that they oh, had. It's literally just two dicks in suits just flailing at each other. Yep. And it's like so bad. There's a part that was almost cool where Swamp Thing like grabs a, a spiky like root from the ground. Yeah. I'm like, oh cool, he's gonna like impale him with the spike. Yep. And then no, he just bats on him. He just caveman clubs him. Like it's so boring. <laughs> and both of their costumes could not be worse. Oh my <laughs> no, god. Yeah, we haven't even we didn't even mention it yet. Swamp oh. Thing's outfit costume. We need, to, we need to do a whole section here on the Swamp Thing it's costume. It's bad. It's literally just a latex bodysuit with a little bit of like vines and moss to like glued on yeah it. i want to do a good job describing this because i feel like maybe a lot of people listening to this haven't seen this movie because you oh, would have I hope to, not we had to rent it on amazon prime so <laughs> yeah this cost us anywhere. 5.99 so i don't blame you if you don't want to watch this oh not at all take our words for, this is just take our telling of it i'm sure there's some like good funny <laughs> clips on youtube don't yes. spend the money yeah don't spend the money it's maybe worth a b-movie horror i wouldn't say it's not worth your time it's not oh, worth no. your money no no, no no yeah the suit is uh to describe it they started out with just a green rubber suit. Mm-hmm. Um, practically, it was probably pretty good for the actors. Then you can go through the swamps and shit, and it's you know, uh, it's like going through with like a scuba suit on. Yeah, it, it wouldn't weigh ten thousand pounds. And the problem with the suit, I think there's two main problems with the suit that they have here. Number one, there's not enough on it. No, you can tell very clearly that it is a rubber suit because it's mostly just smooth green, very Gumby like, and it doesn't fit him very well either. So no. when he walks, you can see the creases of the suit fold. It like sags, what, like yeah. by his legs and by his arms. Totally. Yeah. So you can see the creases. Of, you're like, that's a man wearing a costume. Yep. And the worst part is. Like, even besides all that, <laughs> you can see the outline of the headpiece, of the neck. The hood, at yeah. At all times. And anytime he turns his head, you see the outline move with him. 
I, I will say, it, the more I saw it, like the face makeup looks pretty good. The face is good. The, the face, face is and really the good. eyes and everything is really well done. But yeah, the the, the body, the, the parts around the neck and the body. Are just and are what's upsetting horrible. is they weren't that far from making it good. Yeah, like I, you could literally ta- all yeah. they had to do was just attach a little bit more foliage. Yeah, you could have taken what they had and just built on top of it and yep. made it much better. Oh yeah, and from what the stills I've seen of the movie that came after this and the show that came after this, they did do that a lot better. Yeah, they yep. made it better. Oh yeah, and to be, I mean this is early. 80s so it's not like you had all of the movie magic you have today but there's there's precedent for doing better when i was gonna say how expanded was uh swamp things like look in the comics at this time Uh, this was before alan moore run then yeah it was before he could like freely grow green whenever he wanted okay Um, but he i mean the art was you know the coloring and the art was simpler you know you would have a smooth green body but that looks better on paper than oh yeah live action no for sure yeah because you don't have to imagine what it looks like in your in the book. You're just imagining what the movement looks like. Yep. And kind of like what and you uh, even part of you is imagining what the texture would feel like too in a in a book medium. In mm-hmm. visual, you can see. Yeah, and it, it you can see the reflections of the water and the lights on it. And it, it makes really it look takes bad. it out of it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So overall, it, it's a B movie. It's not the worst thing. It's kind of like in the same category that uh, that Fantastic Four movie was. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, it's bad. You could you could dunk on it all you want, but it's like. It was never gonna be. It was never meant to be anything super special either. No, no. Um, it was meant to be a campy B horror movie, and they did it. Exactly. They, they made yeah. it that. The only the worst the worst offense that it has is it's not really like swamp thing. That swamp thingy. No. But most of that lies in the fact that the character hadn't been that defined at this point. Mm-hmm. So I don't blame them for also wanting to just write their own shit. Because and it's and it's an origin movie too. Yeah. So it's like half the first 20, 30 minutes is all Al Collins. Yeah. So they got to have the build up. So it's like if you're going to do it pre Alan Moore before you build on all of that, if you want to write your own shit, I mean, I think that's fine. Yeah. You're not, you're not like stepping on sacred ground really yet. Exactly. Like yeah. you're just building off of very simple building blocks. Yeah, in obviously in, in uh in hindsight it looks pretty bad, but yeah, at yes. the time it's it, it was probably worth the entertainment. But I mean the army guys, I won't forgive that. Those no, are the no, worst no. characters ever and I hate them so much and they took up way too much of the movie and they that's maybe the one thing that makes it unwatchable. Because the parts with Alec are not that bad. Um Anton Arcane is not great. No. But the parts with Alec are not... And on, uh, honestly, Abby, the, the actress who played Abby, is very good in this. Yeah, I, I can't remember her name right now, but she's actually a super famous like 80s horror uh, oh, is she? actress. Okay. Yeah, like she was in Creep Show, uh, Escape from New York, like yeah, a bunch she of was, stuff. She was very clearly carrying this movie on her shoulders. Oh, easily, yeah. yeah. If she wasn't in this, like it's it's over. Yeah, I wouldn't have sure. made it 20 minutes. So I would give her a lot of the credit for the parts of this movie that do work. Yeah, um, she held it together. Yeah, because God... That guy who plays that fucking army guy, I hate him so much. <laughs> I can't even remember the character name. Like, uh, I don't even think they said it. Yeah, like, and, it's just. And terrible. I don't want to know it. I don't even want to think about it. Again. <laughs> yeah, I want to. He's dead and out of my mind. Eliminate that from my memory. I'm gonna delete that one. <laughs> All right, but that'll be it for our Swamp Thing episode. Like I said, we're not done yet. I think we're gonna do Swamp Thing for a few weeks here. We're undecided. Yeah, um, it's pretty open. Our schedule is yeah pretty open right now because we don't know when any movies are coming out. We're not doing New Mutants. Yeah, we decided <laughs> to not do that movie because it looks like fucking racist garbage. And plus, you have to go to a theater to watch it. That's yeah. a Fat no for me. Not going. Yeah, so we've decided that we just don't want to see it. The, I heard that um, Ileana Rasputin, Magic, the character I'm most excited to see in that movie, yep. there's like a bunch of things for people who have seen it. I've said like she's like a huge racist in the movie too, like her character. Yeah, I saw some lines where... Yeah, she makes a ton of Indian jokes. I saw Native American jokes. Yeah, against the one character, but yeah, it's that movie. So it's just like if you're gonna like fucking hot put, dumpster fire. Yeah, if you're gonna fucking put your own evil onto my favorite characters, I'm not watching that shit. And I can't remember the exact quote from the director, but he basically just straight up told the reporter, he's like, "Yeah, I don't care about racism. Like, I made my movie." 
And yeah. it's just like, wow, like yeah. you can't be more of a dick than fuck that. Fuck you. I'm not giving you my money. For that, <laughs> yeah. Like how much? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Go fuck your, I still actually, I want to say this though. I do still want to cover Demon Bear because that story is awesome. And those characters are great. No, I'm, we'll, I definitely need to read. We'll new have Mutants. to find uh, another adaptation with the new mutants. There's got to be a cartoon. That's episode. what I'm thinking. Maybe there's got to be like a series of like an animated X-Men show. That's like all about the new mutants. There's got to be. There's got to like, a, or at wanna, least an episode. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. So I want to do that story anyway. Like, I don't want to let fucking Josh Trank ruin or uh, not Josh Trank. Um, What's this guy's name? Okay, I, who cares? The Fantastic Four guy. I don't want to let this racist piece of shit. Yeah, ruin I don't care the, what his name is. <laughs> the New Mutants are great, and I won't let him ruin the New Mutants. Yeah, totally. The New Mutants are standable. <laughs> um, but that'll be it for Swamp Thing. Join us next week. We're going to be doing the next uh, arc of Alan Moore's Swamp. I don't know where we're going. I think we're going to go up to the Great Darkness Saga, where he teams up, where basically the Justice League Dark gets formed. Okay, and uh, they go to hell and do battle. I don't want to spoil too much. Gotcha. Of it. Interesting. But it's going to be dope. <laughs> it's going to be metal. It's nice. going to be awesome. And there's going to be rapping demons. Hell so yeah. join us next time we're gonna be dropping fat beats with etchgan the rapping demon oh yes goodbye everybody